Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. We're still here with Ed Winters. Um, okay, Ed, you have your book out at the moment as well. It's called Vegan Propaganda. Yeah. Um, this is vegan propaganda. This is vegan and propaganda. And other lies the meat industry tells yeah, you. I saw it on the tube. It's, it's amazing. Sorry, the tube. artwork's awesome. Um, as I said to you, great uh, marketing ploy. It's, it's out of the moment. That's so smart. Yeah. Veganery. What a great. Perfect time for a vegan book, right? timing. <laughs> Tell me about the book. Yeah, so the book basically um, outlines the reasons to be vegan and yeah. to eat a plant-based diet. So it looks at the ethical arguments, you know, some of which we've discussed. It looks at the environmental arguments, looks at some of the health arguments, and it looks at you know, things like pandemic risk, you know, the bird flu and swine mm. flu and how factory farming in particular creates these diseases, which as we know from current situation can be uh, globally problematic. So it talks about all of that and it talks about solutions as well. You know, some of what we discussed earlier about what, how do we help farmers? You know, what can we do to help them transition? Um, and basically it, in my eyes, it outlines the main reasons why I'm passionate about why I do what I do. And then it you know, also discusses some of the, the psychological and social barriers. And we talked about disconnection earlier. We talked about some of these, you know, willful ignorance aspects of, of how we live. And so it addresses the problem and then it addresses kind of the drivers behind our behavior and then ends with the solutions. And what were you doing before? Nice. Before? Yeah, because honestly, I think what happens is when you go on... He was a cattle farmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. He used to work on a branch. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you do before? Because I think what happens is people get you on... I, I feel I, I, I get irritated sometimes myself because I want you to come on a podcast and I want you to have different questions. And typically what happens is with you, I can imagine the same questions always fire at you, the same sort of situations. And I don't think people potentially get to know the real you, mm. right? A lot of mm. the time. So what were you doing before all of this, before yeah. you decide to be a campaign and activist? I, I studied film and TV production at university and I had this uh, probably egotistical aspiration of being this hotshot movie director. Um, and that was my passion. I, lo I love films. So I, I loved, loved cinema. And so that's what I was doing beforehand was trying to pursue a career you know, working in film. Um, you know, I, I was toying with the idea of teaching film. I just wanted to work in the film industry. And then when I came, when I became vegan, this kind of snowballed very quickly. 
Um, and so you know, after I came out of university, this is what I kind of landed into pretty, pretty fast. Let's, let's take hunters, for example. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, do you believe hunters, hunters claim, right? And maybe, I, I don't know. I'm just saying hunters claim that they, what they do is they, they hunt, they hunt their own food. food. Joe mm-hmm. Rogan, for example, he hunts his own food and then he says he eats it for a year and things like that. And that's why he does it because, you know, he has this argument that, um, uh, animals are going to die a horrible death anyway. So he sort of makes it easier for these animals and then he can eat and he, it, it's for the, the welfare of the animal and to feed his whole family. Do you think hunters are hunters because they get pleasure out of hunting or they actually are for, uh, it's for the benefit of the animals? Oh, firstly, pleasure. I mean, I've watched Joe Rogan hunting videos and he expresses so much delight at, at killing animals. I think the issue with hunting is, and, and look, don't get me wrong. I don't think that hunters are... Are less moral or immor- you know, either way than people buying steak in a supermarket. You know, I think that factory farming causes more suffering than than hunting does. So I'm not trying to say, you know, I think people think hunting must be like the epitome of the the vegan bad guy, you know, but I, I don't think that that's true. Um, but I do think that hunting, as we have come to understand it, is wrong. Now, when we talk about the welfare of the animals, I could buy that if it was that they were going and looking for weak animals who are starving and then putting them down in, a, you know, euthanizing them in a, in a gentle way. But hunters specifically look for the biggest stags with the biggest antlers because that's the prized kill, you know? And I think that there is this disconnection between what hunters sometimes say they're doing and what they're actually doing. And you know, even when, when Joe says, well, I eat, I eat this elk for a whole <laughs> year. So that may be true, but you're not just eating the elk for the, for the whole year. You know, he still goes into restaurants and buys factory raised animals. He still goes into supermarkets and buys that. He just also hunts as well. Um, so I think it's not quite as black and white as that. Yeah, he's hiding behind it in a certain way and he, he's not being the real truth. No, I, I understand that. Okay, so the other the other example is is that, you know, there's this lab meat being made, which yeah. is people are making meat in laboratories and they're, not, they're nearly at a place where actually this is going to be feasible. Yeah. Would you eat it? Yeah, I probably would. I'd, I'd at least try it because... People sometimes think, well, if it's meat, it can't be vegan. But being vegan means trying to reduce animal exploitation, animal harm. So the problem with meat isn't the meat. It's what happens to get the meat. So if we can remove that whole process and just end up with a piece of meat at the end of it, then that's vegan because veganism isn't about abstaining from meat. It's about the harm that's caused to create it. So for me, I think it's an incredibly exciting thing. And I, I, I don't, there's no moral qualms in my mind to, to consume it. Okay, so then hear me out for this one. Please. Okay. And forgive me if, and, and please don't answer it if you don't these have are, to. These are not stupid questions at all, Jamie. Yeah, They're so, really not. So, no, but this one is more about yourself. So I, I would, maybe I'm naive, but I would say that your job is what you do now. You're an activist. You, you get brought on debates and this is how you earn an income, yeah. right? And that's yeah. how you live. Yeah. And it's a great thing. You're passionate about it, which is the best thing. We want to, you know, um, something like 13% of Americans wake up in the morning and like their job. So they, yeah, they love it, right? So one, 3%. So they yeah. wake up in the morning and go, God, I love what I do. 66% of Americans or 64% of Americans do something called sleepworking. So they wake up in the morning, they just do their job and then they go to bed that night. That's what happens. And the rest of 24, my maths, whatever it is, 23% um, are depressed or anxious going to work. Uh-huh. And supposedly 36% of Americans have a negative impact on, on the business. Right. So it's very rare to love what you do. And yeah. I, I can very much say in, in the most privileged point of view that I wake up and I go, God, I love what I do. And I yeah. think Alex, you can do the same. And Ed, you can do the same. If we have laboratory meat, let's say, and all things are taken away and, and let's say people aren't, uh, are not eating any dairy products or, or, or animal products whatsoever, you then become out of a job. Yeah. So is that almost a scary prospect? Is that you, uh, does that make you like a football goalkeeper? You don't want any goals going in. But also you want to have shots fired at you because you want to have a bit of play within the game. 
So is there a sort of hard thing there where you go, well, actually, I, I, I do want everyone suffering to disappear. I want all these things to happen. But also at the same time, if all of that happens, then I'm almost out of a job. I would take that situation. Would you? I, I, yeah, would you? you feel like, you'd be like I, I mission complete. That's amazing because a lot of people, uh, and I actually truly believe you just think, because a lot of people would say that, but perhaps wouldn't actually want that to happen. I mean, this is what I wake up every day hoping will happen. And I'm not naive. I don't think that in my lifetime it, it, it will. I'm pretty sure that we'll make huge strides and, you know, lab-grown meat and such will probably become, you know, most probably become more prevalent than actual, you know, flesh from, a, from an actually uh, killed animal. But at the same time, you know, that's what I strive for. I mean, this is why I get up every day. And if 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 I could click my fingers and make it happen tomorrow, I absolutely really? 100% would. You know, we're obviously clicking my fingers and making everything else fall into place as well. You know, the whole societal aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a no-brainer. This is... That's it. That's amazing. So, so you're, you're, you're an incredibly compassionate person. I mean, you, you, you are, you, you must be right to, to be the way you are and live the way you are and, and, and do the things that you do. That, that's almost a mantra. It takes practice, right? How do people become like that? Oh, well, it's very kind. I mean, it's true though. It's true. Yeah. But it's the truth, right? It's, it's, more of a truth than a compliment is meant to be, but it does come yeah. off as a compliment. Well, that's even even kinder of you to say. I mean, look, it, it's it's a practice and it's a process as well. You know, I went vegetarian before going vegan. And, you know, it's just something I, I built up to understanding over a little bit of time. And, you know, it took the time to think, well, where do I get my protein from? Where do I get my iron? Where do I get my calcium? So for me and that personal journey, it was just the process of education and then, and then making those swaps and realizing oh, I'm vegan now. And then I think how I view other people is, I, like I said at the beginning, you know, in part one, I, I like people. And I think that maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more idealistic than you, but I think that whilst we are driven by selfish tendencies and we are driven by almost sadistic or sociopathic desires at times, that is undeniable. I think deep down, we have the capacity to be really quite something special. You know, I think if we look at how much we are evolving, how much we're changing, mm -hmm. I think humans have the potential to really be stewards of this world and do a good job, you know, protecting others, including ourselves, of course. And so I, I just have hope for that. So I, I like people because when I connect with people and I speak with people, you know, we, we're not agreeing on, on everything, mm. far from it. But I, I like you and I enjoy your company because I can see that you are a rationally motivated and compassionate individual as well. It's just we haven't come to the same life decisions ultimately yet. So that's why I view other people as, you know, I think we're all just trying to do good. And, I, you know, it's a bit pretentious maybe to say this, but I think, you know, Aristotle once said that, you know, bad people don't necessarily think that they're doing bad things. But I don't think that people doing bad things are necessarily bad people to begin with. You know, I don't think people buying meat, dairy and eggs makes them bad. I think we're good people mostly, but sometimes we do bad things because of cultural you know, mm. ideas or because of normalization through our families and through the people around us. I think we are intrinsically able to do good. We just need to look through and, and understand where we are still doing bad. Mm. Is, is, uh, is there an argument to suggest that nature knows best? No. Nature's it, violent and cruel. Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, okay, definitely. Okay, so, so break that down a little bit more. Well, nature knows best in terms of like a purely evolutionary survival process, you know, maximization of evolution. But in terms of like reducing suffering, nature is horrendously the opposite. It just maximizes suffering in so many <laughs> different so, ways. It actually Na does. Nature's it actually, really does. actually The world so, really hates us. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, Mother Earth is not so compassionate. <laughs> It's like that that mushroom that like infects wasps' brains. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, Wait, I, I read, I read uh, reading Merlin Sheldrake's book about mushrooms. There's a mushroom that infects uh, cicadas. You know cicadas that make the the noise at night. They sound like crickets. Cicadas. Shikadas. And it basically, it um, decomposes just enough of their body on, on the back end of their body so that they can still fly 
And as they fly, they spread the fungal spores around. And apparently there's like amphetamines in the spores and all this stuff of shit. It's just like nature is so mad. Yeah, I saw this thing that, um, I saw Stephen Fry talk about the thing where there's, there's these insects that go behind children's eyes and yeah. eat their way out. I mean, and he, and he explains, he says, what type of God would do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Why would God create that? Yeah. And then I saw another thing actually, which, and, and you know, like I'm not going to say if I'm not, I, I, Joe Rogan, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, right? But he, he put something out there, which he shows that there was a, um, there's an insect that eats the tongue of a fish and then sits on the, then becomes its uh, tongue. Yeah, I saw that. Like nature is bizarre, right? Nature's, yeah, it's sadistic. But, but people would argue saying nature knows best. So throughout uh, centuries and years and since the beginning of time, we have been meat eaters. Yeah. That's what we We've been yeah, born yeah. to that. We have our fingernails, we have our canines, we have our, our jaws are in certain ways. So, so we're then going against what nature has told us to do. And how would you argue against that? Well, I mean, I mean, firstly, from a biological perspective, you know, our canines are good for biting through apples and stuff as well. Pretty terrible for tearing through flesh. If you want a piece of, pick a piece of chicken and try and tear through it, you're going to struggle. So I don't think it's necessarily that these biological things we look to necessarily indicative of, you know, being this, you know, successful meat eaters. But at the same time, I think it's kind of beside the point. You know, we live in homes. We have medications. We have microphones to record podcasts because we enjoy listening to them. Nothing that we do is, is natural anymore. And yeah. actually society is a lot better for it. You know, we, we have medications to treat natural diseases. You know, people get anthrax, which is a natural disease. We take synthetic antibiotics to treat it. So it's not important what's natural. What's important is how do we create a better society? And for me, a better society is one that pursues the reduction of suffering. So mm -hmm. even if we have for all of our history, which most of us, you know, culturally speaking, have, you know, eaten meat and survived off meat and needed to eat meat to get to where we are, I'm not ever going to deny that. The point is now in a current context, is it beneficial for us? Is it helping us create this version of the world that we want to live in? Or is it stopping us from progressing? And I think it's holding us back from creating this world, which is ultimately more in alignment with the values that we say that we have. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, if you ask anyone, are you against animal suffering? Are you against animal cruelty? Every single person will say yes, unless they're clearly psychopathic. And we think that's scary. 
So then the question becomes, how does what we do to animals, how does the fact that we raise billions, you know, trillions when we factor in marine animals, how does that suffering that we cause them and the unnecessary deaths that are inflicted upon them, how does that factor into our morals of saying that we're against animal suffering? You know, if kicking a dog is animal cruelty and makes you a bad person, then what does cutting the throat of a cow mean? What does, you know, putting a pig in a gas chamber mean? You know, the Olympics were just on and there was global outrage because someone punched a horse. Well, if punching a horse is, is worthy of global condemnation, then why isn't killing trillions of animals every single year? trillions? When you fact, yeah, it was, it's mm. 83 billion land animals and 0.8 to 2.3 trillion marine animals. That is mad. It's outrageous, isn't it? Outrageous. We, you can't even- It's so it's, large, it's, you can't comprehend it. You can't it. quantify it. Like, no. I, like oh my. It's, it's growing. I, I, it's not going down, you know? Is there a situation where we are worried about our marine life, where it's it's going to run out? Well, it depends what you mean by run out. You know, fish stocks will will collapse. Many fish stocks will collapse. And, you know, even fishermen themselves who have been fishing for generations, you know, their fathers and their grandfathers were bringing in much larger catches than, than they currently are themselves now because our oceans are being depleted. You mm. know, when we look at, um, you know, keystone species such as sharks and such that are very important in terms of oceanic health, their populations are being decimated, you know, 90% some species, of course. So there's this whole food chain that exists in the ocean. And when we remove certain species, we have an impact on the whole food yeah. chain that exists. So we are heading towards severely depleted oceans, which is a fundamentally catastrophic thing for us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just take everything to extremes, don't we? Yeah. We literally, we find a good thing and we just push it so far. And, and I would argue yeah. that that is more often than not the, the chase of profit, right? Profit is what has has pushed these things to, to extreme. And it, it makes humans uh, turn away from their compassionate side and they go, well, you know, I need to make profit here. So yeah, doesn't matter if I'm going to fuck up the, uh, fuck up the ocean. We're short-term thinkers, aren't we? Yeah, we're, yeah, we we're, don't. We're totally short-term thinkers. We have, you know, in everything, you know, uh, there was this interesting thing that I saw about businesses, German business, 53% of German businesses still family run. Right. I mean, that's a kind of incredible statistics and hence why they're the third biggest like economy, right? right. In England, we uh, have this thing, which is like the third generation car curse. Uh, grandfather makes it, father loses it, son has to rebuild it. Right. We, we, especially in the UK, we are so about short term. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't look that long distance. If someone offered us a hundred pounds now, we'd take it rather than a thousand pounds in two years time. Right. I mean, and that's a really, a really bad way to be, I think. I think yeah. we've got to look out for our children. I mean, you'd hope that, you know, the, the way that society is so connected now, and we also have like such a wealth of, of you know, history, everything is stored. We might hopefully get this kind of collective you know, union where we all come together and we actually start to think about the long term because, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, humans were still living a very cyclical life where, you know, you live for 60 years and then that's your generation done and you're not necessarily thinking about the, the longer perspective. But I would argue now that we have the ability to, to think like that. So it'd be amazing if we did all like kind of come together and try and turn the situation around, I guess. Would be nice. And, yeah. And yeah, it would be are, nice. Are you religious? I'm not now. You're not? No. It's interesting that you're so compassionate, but you're not religious because in, do you, because in a sense you would, you don't want suffering, but then if suffering is a way of life and then you just die and then that's it, there's nothing beyond. Well, I, I but what matters to me is what people and individuals and animals feel now, mm. you know, I, I, whether there's an afterlife or not, doesn't change the experience that someone's forced to endure now. Mm. Um, and for me, I don't need, you know, the fear of um, an afterlife of eternal suffering to motivate me to hopefully do good. You know, so I, the way that I see it is, you know, I'm, I'm look, I'm open-minded, hopefully at least. I'm not saying that there's definitely nothing, but from my mind, my, my feelings are that 
what matters is, is what's present. Um, and so if I can reduce harm, regardless of what happens after someone is killed, then that should be my moral prerogative. So then if when, you, when you're in a rocking chair and you're 90 years old and you're looking back at your life, yeah. what are you going to hope that you achieved and did? I just want to be a, a piece of the puzzle that created some significant change. You know, I just want to be a part of that. I just want to look back and say, at least I contributed to trying to do something beneficial. Because I think society is changing so quickly, so, so quickly, and in, in not just with veganism, in so many different areas. Mm. And I think in the past 10 years, especially, we have started to have, we've started to have really confrontational conversations about so many different things, which is, is so beneficial and so important. And I think society is changing at a rapid rate. And I just think that when I'm 80, 90, however old I'm fortunate enough to live to, that I just look back and say, at least I tried to stand on the right side of, of that progress and I wasn't yeah. trying to stop it. You'll probably live longer if you're vegan. Well, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not with some of the processed <laughs> junk food I eat every time to time. Yeah. But that's the other thing, right? And I think a lot of people um, listening to you right now, and you know, we have a fair amount of listeners who will be thinking, God, maybe I should do this. What would you say? Because typically, you know, vegan is becoming vegan. You can be a bit stodgy, a bit unhealthy sometimes, and okay. things like that. So, and you, you seem like a. You, I mean, your skin is glorious. You, you're, you're, you're looking incredibly healthy. So, what would you say to people if they want to try it? Or you know, it's yeah. very hard to suddenly go right. I'm now vegan. That, that's it's like saying let's run a marathon now. It's, yeah. So, how do you approach the situation? Would you say? Oh, this is such a good question. And again, really good point you make, which is we shouldn't give ourselves like this ultimatum, right? Where we go. From this moment on, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be vegan. You know, psychologically, that's so scary, right? I, I remember when I first went vegan, I said to myself, I'll, I'll eat, you know, a cheeseburger again. I definitely will. Because it kind of gave me this space to think, you know, this isn't a lifelong commitment. Mm. You know, eventually I realized I don't want to eat, you know, a real animal cheeseburger again. So that was never When was the last time you ate meat? 2014, I think. Really? Yeah, been, Do you remember the day? A minute. No, I don't you remember don't the remember? day, no. But it's been a minute. Um, you know, it was just something that... I when I went vegetarian, it was just kind of this process of, you know, taking me out and then all of a sudden just being vegetarian. I can't, it wasn't like this pinpoint moment necessarily. It was this kind of like couple of weeks spell. And so for what I always say to people is take it day by day, you know, take it yeah. meal by meal, just prepare some meals. For, you know, I've got stuff for vegan breakfast, I'll have a vegan lunch, I'll have a vegan dinner and just do it meal by meal day by day. And then be educated, you know, look for some vegan recipes. There's, you know, Bosch are a great example of these two UK vegan chefs who are just great and do great, you know, plant-based food. Um, so look for definitely vegan recipes and vegan chefs online. And then also have a look at where you get your nutrients from, you know, do it just for your own peace of mind. Mm. You know, where do I get my iron from? Where do I get my calcium, my zinc, whatever it may be. And just take, just take a few hours out of your day over a couple of days, just to make sure that you feel fully comfortable knowing where you're getting everything from. And then just do it day by day by day. And if you make a mistake or on one day you slip up and order a Domino's that's not the vegan Domino's because there are vegan, there is vegan Domino's now, but you get the other one, just, you know, whatever, you've made a mistake, you just keep going. And I think we have this all or nothing attitude where if we slip up, we go, oh, well, there's no point in me trying anymore. Yeah. So just sim simplify it down is what I always say to people. And you don't miss it. Oh, gosh, no. no. You don't miss it. I remember I heard this thing you have... Um... Uh, Texan barbecue base pizza was that the that's the one you used to oh, yeah, yeah that, that you was have it. done your research yeah that yeah. was it right that was yeah. your favorite you don't miss that ever I do not know I mean look I would love a vegan version and and don't get me wrong I I enjoyed the taste of all these foods but the question which is something we alluded to at the beginning is I said you know does my sensory pleasure does my taste enjoyment justify the consequence of what buying these foods results in, you know, mm. everything that happens, the environmental damage, the animal suffering. If I can avoid that and still enjoy food, which I still enjoy food just as much as I used to, but just in different ways, is that not the morally right thing for me to do? 
So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Domino's are going to have a Texan barbecue pizza, stuffed crust, extra cheesy. Of course, I'm hoping for that. But if it never happens, I'm totally fine with that as well, because the importance of making that choice is far higher than the taste pleasure I get from consuming those foods. I, I think, think I think we should tag them on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get a petition. Get a petition. I, I, I think 100%. And listen, um, I, I, dude, I, honestly, I know how busy you are. I know how you're pulled from all different angles to be on different things. And I, I honestly can appreciate you more coming on this and educating me, educating the audience. And um, I love I love your passion. Thank I, you. That for me, it doesn't, you know, having someone, like I said at the beginning, coming on has a passion. Where can we get your book? Yeah, so you can get it online, um, Amazon, Waterstones, Foils, or you can get it in bookstores. So Waterstones, Foils again, or independent bookstores are stocking it. Um, and if your independent bookstore doesn't, then you can ask them and they'll, they'll buy it is in there for an, you. Is there an audio book? There is. There's an the audio book. Thanks very much, Alex. I, I actually would probably <laughs> listen to the audio <laughs> like I'm, I'm so lazy with reading. <laughs> yeah. But there's an audio book and there's a Kindle as well if people like reading on Kindles. Dude, you should be so proud Thank of yourself because you. it's, it's, it's uh, facing opposition and what you do. It's very hard to... I live an easy breezy life. I sit there and I can sit on fences and I make sweets and yeah, all those kind of things. You actually have to go into sort of opposition most days and you have to wake up and, and, and plead your point of view, right? And, and, and express why it's better to live your lifestyle than others and how you want to get rid of suffering. And I, and you know, I, I totally, I agree with you in so many ways. I really do. Um, you also have a YouTube channel. I do. Don't you? Um, yeah, I have a YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, yeah. Earthling ad, you know, that, Go and follow it, guys. Honestly, it, it, even if even if you even if you aren't vegan or you're just, I just, it's so good to have those point of views in your life, dude. I really appreciate it that you came on. That is so kind of you. Now, what we like to do at the end of the podcast is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no, that's for you. That, yeah. That's for me. Okay, this is where I come into it. Um, well, th- thanks for having me. By the way, dude, of um, course, for inviting me. It was a pleasure to meet you both. Um, something inspirational. I think that we all have to recognize that as individuals, we have the power to create significant change. You know, we live in a society where we sometimes think that we don't have influence. We look at things that happen around the world. We look at, you know, things that happen with our climate and we feel very helpless. But I think what we have to come to recognize is that we have a huge amount of power as individuals to create a huge shift. You know, every movement that's ever existed, everything that's ever happened positively for our history this happened because individuals came together mm. and created a mass movement that formed change. But all those mass movements were formed of individuals like like us, like the listeners, who thought, you know what, I want to be a part of something that changes them, you know, this for the better. And, you know, I think that we just have to recognize our capacity to to be that individual, to be that drop in the ocean of change, because every drop is as important as the, every other drop. So I think we just have to recognize that within ourselves and go, what sort of world do I want to exist in? And how can I help create that world myself? Ed, thank you so much. Everybody, we'll see you you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye!